0: Welcome to Trine Day, The Journey. This is episode four, a conversation with publisher Chris Milligan and Mark H. Gaffney, an environmentalist, peace activist, researcher, and the author of The 9-11 Mystery Plane and the Vanishing of America, Black 9-11, Money, Motive, and Technology, The First Tree of the Day, Gnostic Secrets of the Nicenes, The Initiatory Teachings of the Last Supper, Never Summer, and Demona, The Third Temple. His articles and essays have appeared in numerous journals, magazines, and newspapers. And I am Bruce Titoris, the moderator. Chris Milligan, what do you have to say to your friend and author,
1: Mark Gaffney? I have to say, welcome. And Mark, how did we meet? Did you contact me?
2: I think I contacted you with some of the evidence uh, regarding that E4B and you said, yes, let's do it. Let's do a book.
1: Yeah. And and why don't you tell the the story about that E4B? I mean, I still find it quite amazing. And and it's one of the stories that still isn't really known much about or even talked about much.
2: Well, I was contacted by a researcher who uh, uh, informed me that, um, there was some video uh, at, C. I think it was CNN, that had never been aired on TV that he got wind of, and he was very good at getting into their archives and found a clip of this uh, E-4B over Washington that morning uh, of 9-11, and uh, it had never aired on the news. No one had ever reported it. So we began to investigate it and uh, pursued Freedom of Information Act requests, and we also got the radar data of uh, John Farmer had his own Freedom of Information Act request to the military and got his hands on the 9-11 radar data. So we started putting this story together. And sure enough, there were two of these things that took off from Andrews Air Force Base right outside of Washington that morning. And they both flew over Washington. And, uh, you know, that's that's closed airspace. So planes don't fly over the White House. It's not allowed. And yet they did that morning. So we were curious to try to figure out what was going on and we never did answer all the questions but we did confirm that those planes were there we got the flight strips uh proving it and that came or uh, we got that evidence just before we went to press so uh yeah, as i said we we still don't know what it was doing there but we know it was there
0: what's the significance of it what is it what the, what is it and what does it what does it do the e4b well
2: if you compare the president's plane is a flying White House you know Air Force One is a flying White House the e4b is a flying Pentagon they have everything they need in there to uh, run the. US uh, military all all agent you know every service and even including uh, submerged submarines they can contact and con- con- command and control everything from that plane if they had to in a case of a nuclear war so that's that's what it is
1: what type of official uh, response did you did you ever get an official response
2: well the uh, our request one of our requests ended up on uh, Donald Rumsfeld's desk and he denied the presence of the plane All they've done is deny that it was there that's standard operating procedure though they do that all the time anyway but they certainly did it in this case
1: do you think that this has something to do with continuance of government?
2: you know uh, that's a good question, Chris. Uh, there are a lot of hanging threads from 9/11. We just don't know. Maybe we'll never know. Maybe people will find out after we're long and gone. Long gone. With two books out on it and
1: and being involved in the 9/11 community, what what is your current take on what happened on 9/11? What What do you think it was?
2: Well, it was a self-inflicted wound there was uh, this was a false flag operation and exactly who was behind it remains debatable but definitely the shadow government played a hand in this and this i believe it was a planned pretext to justify a massive expansion of us of us empire and uh, the I, us proceeded to intervene in the middle east on behalf of israel mainly principally on behalf of israel and we've been at war ever since So in Black 9-11, you you
1: start getting into the technology that was used to pull this off. And then also you get into uh, some of the money questions. When when 9-11 happened, you know, I was... uh, on the CIA drugs uh, email list and, and we said, okay, everybody turn on your recorders, your video recorders, because you know, the stuff that comes out at the beginning, we always know in these events is, is uh, very interesting. And then I just watched, cause I, I went to some 9-11 uh, truth meetings and everything. And I always watched them explode into um, people saying this, and people saying that, and just fighting. I think that was part and parcel of the operation. Actually, when I look at it really, really hard, I see that the, the TW 800, which happened before 9 11, I think was a uh, a dry run uh, to see what would happen out on the internet. And, and after TW 800, remember, you know, uh, researchers got together, a guy got and, and, and consolidated a website and everything, and then he started getting attacked. And it's just. I don't know, what do, you, what do you think about my crazy thoughts there?
2: Well, uh, the divisiveness uh, was very disturbing. You know uh, I try to stay out of these fights that were continuous, you know and' still going on today. Undoubtedly, the, the shadow government fed this as much as they could to try to keep us fighting one another.
1: Yeah, because you know, on, on this uh, CIA drugs list, I mean, it was very interesting. We had uh, uh, web ferry on there. And she was one of the first persons uh, to start saying, oh, well, there was no planes in New York, um, you know, uh, and got to the point where, you know, they were um, uh, anywhere from from UFOs to, to holograms and, and everything. And, you know, it, it's my contention that they, you know, n- the no planes in New York. First off, that's a crime scene there. And you had a lot of people who had relatives who died there. Okay, so that got them upset. And they're starting to think, well, you know, no planes, well, then people that are looking into it are just kooks. And then they go to the, you know, no plane in, in, in DC. I, I had uh, people declaiming that, oh, you know, there's these people running around with these little things, and they would push a button and, and the uh, light poles would fall down and all of this. And then it, it came out that, quote unquote, the Jews did it all because that then gets you to the other side of conspiracy theory to to shut it down. And conspiracy theory was used a lot all around 9-11 to control uh, the narrative. At least that's what, what I see.
2: Well, whenever I hear criticism of 9-11 investigators and truth activists uh, uh, on the basis that they're just conspiracy theorists, uh, I I respond, well, the official narrative is itself a conspiracy theory. It's the craziest one of all. That's the one I object to.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, can we talk a little bit about the money? Okay, because you were one of the people that really delved quite a bit into that. And I think, you know, people still don't quite understand. I mean, they, they hear the things of the, uh, oh, the Pentagon lost all its money and the thing hit that particular office. But there was a lot more uh, money, especially in New York City, that got affected.
2: Well, somebody made a lot of money on 9-11. There's no doubt about it. We know that the, the put options traders actually collected their winnings. And uh, that's not widely known. But they actually cashed in those put options for an estimated 35 or $40 million. And I'm Damn. sure there were, was a lot more money made in the securities market. Probably a lot more in security. Can't they trace that? What did they say? Well, um, we, uh, you know, I have a uh, testimonial in my Black 9-11 by the gentleman who filed the Freedom of Information Act request. uh, And the SEC responded to him that all the records had been destroyed. However, we've learned in the last year or two that that's not the case. Um, There have been continuing efforts to get, you know, information from the SEC records and so on. Some of these people have obtained new records that confirms what, what you know, I was saying and other people were saying about the, the put options years ago. They had the record. They had the uh, paper trail for sure. And they just covered it up.
1: What What is the Black Eagle Trust?
2: I wish I could tell you. I really don't know. I track this down to a certain extent. But, you know, every time you follow one lead down to where you hope to get down to the to the root. And then you discover there's three or four other strands leading elsewhere. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something down. What, what do you think of Trump? Well, I voted for Trump uh, in 2016 just because Hillary said she was going to expand the Syrian war. And I will never con- you know, consciously, knowingly vote for war. And uh, Trump said he was going to, he promised to end the wars. And so I decided to give him a chance. However, this time, you know, I won't be voting for him again. I probably won't vote at all, or maybe I'll write in Tulsi Gabbard. Well,
1: yeah, and Oregon, I wrote in. I wrote in Sanders, and uh, I, I might, I might do that again because uh, Oregon is going to pretty much, uh, I would say, vote for the Democratic candidate. So I won't waste a vote. What do you think uh, 9/11 means to people today?
2: Well, there's a lot of people <clears throat> don't even remember it you know, the younger generation, they don't have any idea. And it's just like all these other coup d'etats that have happened in the past, they come generate a lot of uh, interest initially, and then everything moves on. And there's another event, you know, like the pandemic, or like the 2008 meltdown, or, you know, and right now, I'm worried, I'm really worried, because the US is pursuing these crazy policies, uh, anti-Russia and anti-China, all along the Russian border and in the, now in the South China Sea, we've had a number of close calls. It's, at some point, our luck is gonna run out and we're gonna find ourselves in a shooting war. What, are, what is your take on Dr. Judy Woods? I think there are, there's possibility that uh, exotic weapons were used on 9-11. I, I've even suspected that a satellite was involved, You know, some kind of a space platform weapon involving Flight 93, perhaps. But, you know, trying to get hard evidence is, you know, I was not able to get it. I should mention that I've been working on another book here in recent uh, last two years. I've been working on a book non-related to 9-11. So I haven't been focused on 9-11 recently. What is your new book? Deep History in the Ages of Man. And I think you're going to love it, Chris. I'll send you a copy when I, when I get it out later this month. Oh, good. This is about the, the big ball of wax, man. I'm looking back. 120,000 years to civilizations have risen and fallen and we've had these earth change events. Yeah, it's mind-boggling stuff. Yeah, I I think
1: we're at a paradigm shift uh, uh, going on right now. I'm
2: hoping for the best.
0: Mark, would you please repeat the title of your book, It Broke Up?
2: Deep History and the Ages of Man.
0: Deep History, deep.
2: It's a holistic look at the planet, and uh, natural history uh, with new lines of evidence, multiple lines of evidence, archaeological alignments, hard science. Uh, we've got stratigraphy from the bone caves of England. And they've been studying those bone caves for um, almost 200 years. Good data set there. And the pole positions have changed, gentlemen. We've had, like, the crust of the Earth moves at great intervals.
1: OK. I think we're going to have to call this and see what we can pull out of it. It's just breaking up too much. I really appreciate your time, Mark. And uh, it is, I hate to say that, it is what it is. Okay?
2: That's all I got.
1: Okay, thank you. Well, I'm going to tell a story here a bit about 9 11 and about uh, conspiracy theory and um, how it works. I set up some uh, CIA drug uh, symposiums to get all all the researchers together. At this uh, first symposium I I did, Michael Rupert, who had become uh, one of the major researchers in a a short amount of time, uh, started to uh, push his weight around and saying, well, you know, if you bring that guy, I won't come, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he didn't want uh, Rodney Stick to show up and talk, and I wanted to meet Rodney, and because he was one of the uh, very early people into CIA drugs and been into it. But there was another gentleman by the name of Brian Quigg, who had been uh, looking at it through uh, uh, the lens of uh, the DEA and also the uh, an- another agency, and. He said, "If I bring Brian, he won't come. He won't come. He won't come." And so I, I relented on on Brian, and I'm very sad I did because very soon later, um, Brian was uh, dead. He'd gotten uh, killed by a uh, hit-and-run driver in the in the streets in in Arizona. Uh, something was was going on strange, and then 9/11 happened. Okay, and and like I've said before, the first uh, thing everybody said there was turn on your VCRs, because uh, that's when a lot of uh, good information uh, comes on. And so we had been deconstructing government lies there because of uh, CIA drugs, and so we just started right away uh, deconstructing what was going on, then all of a sudden... There got to be a uh, poster on, on this list by the name of Sean McBride. And he, he started coming in and, and started to uh, bring up the, uh, the specter of uh, Israel and, and blaming the whole uh, 9-11 thing on the Jews, which is a basic move in, in conspiracy theory. Um, because it's a way to uh, shut up people and, and, you know, call them anti-Semitic and call them names and, and uh, shut up any uh, research or talk. And, uh, also, uh, we had another guy on there. He was a uh, clerk at a video store in Yakima, Washington, and, and he started pushing, uh, the no planes in, in, in DC. And now where did the no planes in DC come from? Well, it came from a, a website called, you know, where, where's the Boeing Boing? Okay. That was, uh, posted out of, uh, France. Okay. And it was posted as it was coming as supposed to be coming from this big, uh, left-wing site because when the powers that be from out of the shadows are trying to control people, they have to control the left a lot more than the right because there's a a lot more people on the quote-unquote left side than there is on on the right. And uh, But if if you followed the money on that website and actually who was doing it, it was uh, coming from uh, right-wing money. And now let's uh, look at 9-11. One thing I noticed, I started going to 9-11 truth meetings, and they'd always end up in a, in a big fight. There'd be people on one side saying, oh, there's no plane, blah, blah, blah. And so there was, they were designed to have this fight. So people that were interested in corruption and seeing something happen, they'd get there and they'd see all these people yelling and screaming at each other. And they would say, ah, oh, screw this and just, just go home. So first, you know, no planes in D.C., the Pentagon is completely surrounded by by freeways, and there's lots of people that that saw the plane, creating a a huge conspiracy theory when you know the uh, actual thing that that just happened was was much easier to 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 pull off and actually uh, actually do. But what mm-hmm. that does uh, by saying that there's no planes in d c, it makes you know all these people that actually saw some planes there in dc so again it muddies the water uh, there and makes uh, makes it you know people looking into 9-11 again look like uh conspiracy theorists okay which just you know pushes it off to the side in, in most everybody's minds and, and makes it into a uh, something that doesn't seem to be worthwhile continuing on in cia drugs uh, Rupert, we had Michael Rupert uh, in there. He was one of the, you know, main players in, in, in CIA drugs. How did he get placed to be a, a leader in, in CIA drugs? Okay, well there was a um, altercation between uh, the head of the CIA and him at a LA press conference. Okay, and to right. my mind, that that was a setup. Okay, it it then put him into a position of leadership in quote unquote the the CIA drugs uh, movement. And so I worked with uh, Rupert and this other gentleman who was supposed to be a righteous dude in LA. And uh, they said, Oh yeah, we're going to have a big crowd in LA, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I get there. There's like 10, 10, 20 people. Okay. And I, I spend a bunch of money to get people out there from Arkansas and different things and, and talk about this. You know, Rupert gets very big into 9-11. We, we go to the first uh, 9-11 conference in, in San Francisco and Rupert's right across in the hotel, he's, he's, we're, we're both on the same floor, and it, it's very interesting, because he had this, uh, old Vietnam vet, who, a big guy who had attached himself to, to Rupert to be a, you know, kind of be a bodyguard, and he started to talk to us there, saying, you know, something, something weird is going on, and because all of a sudden, at this conference, uh, Rupert, you know, really stopped talking so much about 9/11 and started talking about peak oil okay which excuse me is is BS okay and his his bodyguards that guy says yeah something something hinky's going on it and, and it was Rupert had just gone to russia okay for a couple of uh, weeks to talk at an economic conference okay after he comes back from there is when he starts going on all this uh, peak oil stuff it became, you know, I said, what is going on here? And I started uh, understanding that, that basically Rupert was a shill. Okay, he'd been set in there. Then we had these these other babies, Sean McBride, you know, we started looking really hard at him and started looking at the IP addresses and this one uh, friend, and he was he was in a couple other groups out there, uh, email groups, and, and he would talk about things in there. And we determined that, this Sean McBride, uh, it's it's a fake name. Sean McBride's a oh, big guy in Irish politics. We can see that that this that he lived in Boston. We saw the IP address was the same IP address that a gentleman by the name of John Foster Burley was was using. And it, yeah, his parents uh, named him after John Foster Dulles. So, okay, and he, he goes by the name of of uh, Chip Burley. And uh, he runs a, a three-man office in in Boston, uh, where the other two people are independently wealthy. Um, they get $750,000 a year from the uh, Ford Foundation to uh, basically uh, make sure that especially people on the left don't look into conspiracy theories, okay? And, and, and then it, you call them names, and especially about the, the Kennedy assassination and other things. And then if you research Chip Verlake, uh, you can see that he's a spook. Sean and, and these guys, they, they led a thing one time to, uh, they started calling me all kinds of names and crazy. And, and, you know, they wanted to have Sean take over the leadership of the CIA drugs list. And and then later on, they also wanted to create this big debate uh, between Sean and, and Rupert and stuff. And, and again, you know, that's how you create, you know, these, these leaders, you know, you, 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 you pump them up. I stepped in and said, no, no, let me and Sean have the debate. Basically, conspiracy theory is used all the time to control us, okay? Because all of us make decisions every day uh, based on what we believe, what we think. There's so many conspiracy theories out there, it's just not funny. It's about control. It's about controlling the narrative and then controlling the people that are, you know, looking at the narrative. Get them to go this way. Get them to go right. that way. You don't want them to, you know, yeah. go, go to the truth. You'd rather um, hang out over here and yell at the people over there, okay, and, and, and create that dynamic rather than a, a true democratic republic type dynamic.
0: Because it muddies the waters which makes it repulsive to the kind of agnostic who is tempted to believe the official story of authority and, you know, is repulsed by an exploration of the truth because, like you said, it seems to be conducted by a bunch of nutters.
1: And now we have 2020. I mean, is there any conspiracy theories out there, you know, for uh, people to latch on to? and they put you over here, and then you don't like the people over there, and they don't like, I mean, it, it, it's classic. It, it, it's textbook. It, it's, you know, it, it's
2: psychological warfare
1: 101. At a, at a national
0: level, that's really affecting everybody in the country, if not the world. What is CIA drugs, Chris?
1: Well, CIA drugs is a black operation of uh, the government, and it's it's one that was created kind of helter-skelter to a certain extent. Uh, there's been uh, drug runs into this country uh, through uh, mercantile for hundreds of years. Uh, then you had some that were created uh, through the military. Uh, then you have some that were created uh, through uh, intelligence operations. Okay, Because uh, I- intelligence looks at drug running as uh, a couple things. First off, it's, it's a source of cash. And, and it's also a source of intelligence, so who's ever at the at the end of it has there has a little phyfedom. One thing that you we saw happen in the Reagan administration uh through george H w Bush was he took all these disparate runs that had been going through because we started having the situation where you know the deA and and the Bureau of Narcotics, and, and uh, the CIA, they were stepping on each other's toes and whatnot. So they had to get some control over these, these drug trades. There's two big black operations in the United States. One is continuance of government, and the other is drugs. And they both go through the extra constitutional methods. If you're a Rockefeller, you can pretty much do what you want to do, right? I mean, if you want to go to school, if you want to go to New Guinea, you can, you can do that. Why did the Rockefellers, you know, why did they go to West Virginia and Arkansas and say, hey, you guys need some help in governance? I mean, you had a senator from uh, West Virginia, Mr. Rockefeller, for years, and you had a governor of Arkansas. That was from Rockefellers. Well, it has to do because they're mountainous states and you can do whatever you want in the mountains until somebody comes up there and takes a gun. It's about establishing the extra constitutional ways. Okay, in other words, you know, command and control Okay, of those operations. So CIA drugs is is the importation of of narcotics into, into the United States. There's two sides to CIA drugs. One is the importation of narcotics and the distribution of narcotics. Uh, the other w- is what I call CIA, the dark side, which is MK Ultra. And uh, you know, one of my my basic thesis is that the Boomers were not supposed to cohere. We were supposed to be a pieced out, drugged out generation. But then we did cohere. We cohered as hippies around a joint, being smoked around a circle with a little bit of LSD thrown in, because LSD can be used to disrupt but it can't be used to control where heroin is very easy to use for control and we've discussed this before
0: i refer listeners to the awesome and incredible episode one for a full exploration of that topic by chris if prostitution is the oldest profession is drug running the second oldest
1: no i would say spying is and then nice. uh, and then comes drug running.
0: You alluded to the, the mercantile uh, running of drugs for hundreds of years. It's almost the history of business. It's a history of war, perhaps. It's, it's part and parcel of the resource wars that you could say all wars, generally speaking, might be.
1: Well, anytime you can sell plants for uh, more than gold. And sometimes you can grow these plants three times a year. Okay. And, and basically what it is you get you get primitives okay uh, to to grow the drugs for you for pennies on the dollar then you have to take that raw material somewhere and manufacture or you have to bring the manufacturing process to where that is and then you have transport because you got to transport it and then you've got to sell it and then you've got to collect the money put it in the banks and you know it's basically a cycle and opium became the largest commodity on the planet in the 1830s and has never left it
0: all right this has been the journey by trying day and thank you chris
1: thank you sir